0: Oh my god. It was a cult. I had no idea. My I was in a polyamorous cult in Paris without realizing it because my French was so bad I wasn't picking up on all the weird dynamics that were going on.
1: Welcome to normalizing non monogamy the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect
2: our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy.
1: Welcome to episode 141. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an interview with Zach. It's a super fun, crazy story.
2: It is a little bit wild, and we will say that the timeline gets a little muddy, <laughs> yeah. but we do clear it up. So if you're like lost, you will be found. <laughs> yeah. Also important to note that uh, Zach was put in touch with us by Kat from episode 137, and he is the founder of the infamous Yale Orgy team.
1: We do talk about that quite a bit.
2: So you're going to want to stick around. Uh, This is a a wild adventure, and we're really thankful that Kat put us in touch with Zach and that Zach was willing to come on and and share his story with us. So thank you to both of you.
1: Yes. Before we get into the show, we just have a couple of announcements, as we usually do. The first is our meet and greet. So last Saturday we had our meet and greet, and it was amazing. Our
2: monthly meet and greet. Yes, our monthly. So for meet the year. people who are like, oh, I missed it. I don't get to be a part of it. There's one next month.
1: Right. So, we had over 30 people join this time. They're getting bigger and bigger. We we
2: broke records. Yeah. We shattered the records.
1: Yeah. And all kinds of different people, huge age range, some singles, some couples. It was
2: diverse. Let's just say it was diverse. Yeah. And fun. And fun. And we met some new people.
1: We did. Well, we always meet new people on those. So,
2: that's awesome. So, thank you to everybody who joined. We really, really appreciate it. If you're interested in joining one in the future, they are $10. And you can, we'll, we'll talk about how to get some discounts later, but you head over to normalizingnonmonogamy.com. That's our website.
1: <laughs> In case you didn't figure that out.
2: And you click on the meet and greet tab and all of the information is there, how to sign up and join. And we promise a fun time.
1: Yeah. Our next one is scheduled for September 19th. That's a Saturday. And so go over to our website and check it out.
2: So if you want one of those discounts that we were just bragging about. Yeah. You could be one of the amazing, wonderful people who joins our Patreon. You can get special discounts that basically offset the cost of Patreon for you. So there's really nothing to lose by doing that. And only things to gain, such as
1: our monthly Q&As which our next one is actually tonight. If you're listening to this on August 26th. So go join right now. You can join and come join our Q&A. We will have another one next month. So the Q&As, we do one at 9 p.m. Eastern and one at 9 p.m. Pacific. And they're just a more informal discussion. Great, great time. We also have a women's group. And the next meeting has not been announced yet, but it will be in middle of September. And...
2: We just broke 100,000... Oh, I'm sorry, just 100... (laughs) 100 patrons so
1: 100 patrons that's amazing we're so excited yeah
2: so we just again wanted to say a huge gigantic thank you to everyone who helps make the community amazing you know we talk about the q a's it's really more of just a wonderful discussion and way to build community with people
1: oh and i forgot you also get to join the MeWe group which yep. is a, just a chat group
2: yeah So check it out. We would love to have you be a part of it. And again, thank you to everybody who has already joined and is supporting the show and helping build the incredible community with us. Yes. Thank you for that. Head over to our website.
1: Normalizingnonmonogamy.com.
2: Click on the community tab or the brand new Patreon tab. and
1: Just to make it a little more obvious. And
2: it's pretty easy what to do from there. Then one final last final thing.
1: From our sponsor.
2: Yeah, a huge thank you to our sponsor, Alt Playground. If you're not familiar with Alt Playground yet, they are an online dating community. Perhaps the greatest, most diverse, modern online dating website for non-monogamous people on the whole internet.
1: Good description.
2: Yeah, I I came up with it myself. Thanks. I should be a marketing guru.
1: (laughs) They do bring in a lot of diversity, and part of that is that Swinger Safari is now part of Alt Playground. So they're bringing on other platforms to try to make an even bigger and diverse platform.
2: Yeah, a couple of weeks ago they brought on was it Swinging Mofo's? Uh, yeah, something like that. Another one. And they've acquired a handful, and I, I, we don't know this for sure, but we're gonna throw out random speculations that. <laughs> There's probably others in the works. Seriously, have no idea. We could have made that up. <laughs> but the point is they are trying to create the most diverse and, again, modern and vast array of non-monogamous people looking to meet other sexy non-monogamous people on the internet.
1: If you want to check them out, you can go to their website, altplayground.net, or follow the links on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com.
2: And with that, we will say... We
1: should see how fast we could say that.
2: Well, you just, you did a pretty good job. <laughs> with that, we will say thank you for listening to us. And we hope you enjoy this episode with Zach. Let's go. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show, Zach. We're excited to chat. We, we are, you got referred to us. We got referred to you. I don't know which order makes sense, but by previous guest Kat from just a few weeks back.
1: Yeah. Links to her episode will be in the show notes.
2: Yeah. And you are the captain and co-founder, or founder of the Orgy Team, and we're going to circle back to that question later on. But <laughs> welcome to the show. We're happy to have you. Do you mind introducing yourself for the uh, for the listeners?
0: Yeah, um, my name is Zach. I am a thirty year thirty year old um, uh, practicing polyamory. I guess as long as I've practice relationships and um, um, yeah, and I, I'm excited to be there. Right,
2: yeah. Awesome. Well, we're excited to have you. Well, I guess maybe, I guess, take us back to the beginning. It sounds like it's been, like you said, since inception of relationships, how, how did you come to learn about non-monogamy? I guess, you know, personally growing up, it wasn't a model that I knew existed necessarily. Me either. Um, uh, and so not that we didn't discover it early, but we didn't, it wasn't from the outset. So I guess, how did that come to be for you?
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I guess when, it, the more I reflect on like m- who I was growing up, the more like it, it feels inevitable that I would end up being polyamorous. It was just like, it was my destiny just because of the person who I always was and the, the world I grew up in. But for, um, th- I have always wanted to do things different. Anytime there was, um, anytime in art class, a teacher would show us how to build something. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it totally differently. And inevitably it was a disaster, but I learned a lot from it. And, um, and I have kind of taken that sort of like model of thinking to just about every aspect of my life relationships, not, in, not, um, no exception. So like, I never like there was there's the, the, prescribed way to go about relationships. And I always like, no, I'm going to rethink it and do it my own way. And, um, so that was kind of the precursor. And, um, but I, I I think back about like the actual practice of non-monogamy and, um, six years before I ever even learned the term polyamorous, um, I was a teenager in high school I had fallen very much in love with someone who didn't want anything to do with me and with the passion that only a teenager experiencing these emotions for the first time in his life could have. It's um, times time
1: it to happen in high school. <laughs> yeah.
0: Good times. Love it.
2: <laughs>
0: so yeah, and I, I remember after months of just being tortured by this unrequited love and the, the, all the Rome, like building it up and as this huge thing in my head. Um, it, it occurred to me that what am I experiencing love and what is it doing making me miserable? And what the fuck? I, I grew up in this very sort of hippie West Coast family where the only deity, like, I really grew up hearing about was love. Like love was the cosmic force of the universe. Love is what it was all about, man. Like it was. um, And so this thing is like, what is our purpose in life? It's to love. What is a, you know, it always came down to that. And so here I was certain I was experiencing love going, why is this making me miserable? If this is what it's all about. And it occurred to me that, you know there's there's this society prescribed checklist that you need to you know check like you if you love someone you know you have to be with them they have to love you back you have to have a functional relationship all these all these things that you need to check if you love someone and then you're it's great and if you don't check the boxes you're miserable and i didn't want to be a part of that i wanted to experience love and love love and enjoy it and relish it to its full potential without any of that. And so I guess in that moment I decided I would start practicing loving unconditionally. And, and I remember just sort of, yes, I am going to bask in this emotion I have for this woman and whether or not she wants anything to do with me, that's okay. That doesn't matter. I am going to enjoy this feeling because this is the universe's gift to me.
2: Yeah. Well, and did, First of all, did she come around or, or did it not change her mind at all? Oh, you know, um, I think
0: by the time I think, um, she came around to having an interaction with me and we were friends, but it never, you know, nothing ever happened between us, but
2: that's all right. Yeah.
0: Lesson learned.
2: Well, and then did you put it into practice, the, the unconditional love and maybe having whether they were multiple loves or multiple partners throughout high school or, I guess, how did it look in a real, like, physical sense? Yeah, early
0: so, days? Um, I mean, I, I was not having really many relationships in high school. Um, I was, I, I, I just did, I think only my senior year did I actually, you know, get a girlfriend. And then, and it was after, after that senior year, did I finally first have what I felt like I was in a loving relationship. And um, so I, I was late to the game as far, um, but you know, that I had never really had any non-monogamy modeled for me at this point in my life. But I just remember going, wow, this fault, like having this loving interaction, the sexual interaction, all these aspects of it is such a powerful learning experience to like connect with someone to this much. And every time you get to experience this, especially at this, you know, young age that we were in, like, it's such a, you know, boost to the life experience points. Um, that I wanted that for myself and I wanted that for my partner so I, I like expressed to her that I like I want you to experience as much as you possibly can and I and I don't the idea of being possessive was uh, didn't never really made sense to me like I so the I like I I ended up being like you know um, faithful in that I, you know, because my partners wanted to be monogamous, but I never once asked monogamy of my partners because I, that just was entirely counter of my worldview at that time.
2: So you played by, you played by the rules, so to speak, but they weren't necessarily your rules. Yeah. And it really wasn't the model that, that you were going after, but the people you fell into relationship with, that's what they were looking for. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I was, that then for me,
0: like, playing by the rules of my partner was, was a form of love that I was happy, happy to participate in. Um, yeah. And so it wasn't until my senior year of college, I get, I have all these health complications. I have to drop out of school. Um, and then, as I'm, I'm still out of school, and as I'm starting to feel better, I cash in my Jew card and take a birthright trip to Israel, and ended up then staying and did the birth left backpack through the Middle East for a while. Uh, then I backpacked through Europe, met a woman in Sweden. She said, "Let's go to Paris together." We have this Parisian romance. Um, you know, straight out of the novel, the romance novels and like two weeks, two weeks into it, we were talking about what is it like to, what would it be like if we stayed in a long-term partnership? What if we, what if we like went for this? What if we made it work? What if I never went back to America? Um, and she's like, well, I have to admit something prior to meeting you, I identified as lesbian. Um, I want women in my life. And I don't, that's, that's an aspect of my identity. I don't want to give up. Would you be interested in a polyamorous relationship? And that's, I was like, well, I've never heard this word, but my knowledge of root words, uh, <laughs> this is exactly what I want. And so that's, that's when I first heard of even heard, I was 23 first heard the word polyamory uttered and yeah, got, ethical slut soon after and that was us that was the path
1: so you gotta you gotta tell us like how did that relationship pan out The the one the love affair in europe
0: oh um well it, i ended up having to go back to the u.s eventually but we kept in close contact she through for environmental ethical reasons doesn't fly so the idea of like and then cruise ships are even worse so coming coming to visit me in the U.S. meant like riding a cargo ship. And so, it, I mean, we, we still keep in contact every now and then, but, you know, she's kind of off the grid. So, uh, yeah. but, you know, we were still, we're still very dear, near and dear to each other's hearts.
1: Uh, yeah. We don't talk no, that's wonderful. Well. I was just curious.
2: <laughs> so you, so you come back to the U.S. You still haven't, not, not that you weren't, I mean, polyamory or non-monogamy is really, like you said, kind of a mindset, but you still haven't you haven't road tested the theory yet yeah so how what what happens after you get back you're now you now know polyamory exists you've read the ethical slot where where does this take you well
0: um yeah and at at that point i i'm I'm back in the united states i'm I'm trying to get back i'm going back to finish my senior year mm-hmm. I get in the dance scene I'm dancing a lot i you know um in dancing, you know, this. in blues dancing, it's a close embrace dance if you've ever done it. Um, you, you, you get very close with someone and you immediately test out that connection. And I remember me dancing with this one woman and instantly that connection was so powerful. I knew I was going to fall in love with her. Um, it was clear to me at that moment. Yeah. And, um, she had also just had a very similar experience where she had a you know, a whirlwind affair with someone who introduced her to this word polyamory. And, and so we both, you know, it was very natural that we went on to it together. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a beautiful, dramatic relationship, Um, she was a poet and had a lot of feelings and I was also a very you know chaotic human at the time and it was you know it was a a lot of lessons were learned the hard way and but it was it was it was quite the experience
1: so that was the first official relationship that you were in where you were open and polyamorous actively in that relationship
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and then um and yeah and that and that and that I, that relationship continued in some form until I moved to Paris. Um, when I I spent a year in Paris after college, where I um, got involved into a poly pod there. Through you know, OK Cupid, it's the great, best way to travel. You go somewhere, you meet one polyamorous person, and they introduce you to the, all their polyamorous friends, and then suddenly you have a an, a, um, a new, a full network of people in a foreign country who share your ethics and and worldview and.
2: It's like, it's like couch surfing, but with an extra level of intimacy, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, actually, absolutely. I mean, that's how I, I mean, both indirectly and directly got most of my places to stay for free, you know, just by sleeping my way across Europe.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> that's amazing. Uh,
2: um, yeah. I don't know if that counts as sex work or not, but well, We'll say it's fine. I'm going (laughs) to give it the green light. Um, so I guess, can you back up a little bit? So you, you met this dance partner and you jumped into, uh, your first non-monogamous relationship and you said you learned a ton. There was a lot of experiences there. Do you mind taking us through maybe a little bit deeper into that? Like what that looked like? And did you two actually, besides saying, well, we're polyamorous, did you actually test it and, see what that would look like and what did it look like
0: yeah um she is was a very beautiful person and very sociable and so um i remember telling her that she couldn't make me jealous like i just i have i i've never once felt possessive i've never felt jealousy in a relationship context um And whether she meant to or not, she kind of took that as a challenge. (laughs) Um, And yeah. And and at the same time, I was also in my senior year of college. And so we both had a lot of shenanigans on our our own. Um, Some worked out great where we both felt like, yeah, we communicated super well. That was awesome. Go us. Some were absolutely explosive and created dramatic fights uh but yeah no we, we we hit the ground running on on testing the polyamory um probably with the yeah way more cavalier than i would ever recommend people new to polyamory would, would take
2: was it was it mostly like casual encounters with other people or were there other like um relationships that you were both forming and not that a casual encounter isn't some form of a relationship, but. Were there deeper connections that you were both exploring?
0: Yeah. So there's two that come to mind, both because of the intensity and because of the ensuing drama. Um, (laughs) Who doesn't love that. Um, So on her part, before I left for the summer, I introduced her to a really close friend of mine. And I, I knew she, he was exactly her type of tall, handsome, had an accent uh, <laughs> and he kind of looks like, kind of looked like James Franco. Um, and yeah. And so they started sleep, they started sleeping together. Uh, and when she came to visit me in, in Europe at the time, uh, well, she was going to, my this was in New Haven, so or we we I went to school in New Haven. I went, uh, that's where Yale is located, and they they're known for their pizza. So, uh, she was going to bring me my favorite pizza to Germany where I was, and while she is waiting to pick up the pizza, he's with her, and in that moment, he proposes to her, like, "Don't go to Germany to be with this guy. Stay here and marry me." And so. You know, so there, that, that was, um, that was one aspect of, you know, drama. <laughs>
2: when you did, and you didn't get your pizza, right? I'm I assuming did get the pizza.
0: I got the you pizza. Did? It was delivered to me in Germany. It was amazing. Yeah. She didn't marry him. Uh,
2: okay.
0: he, uh, yeah, I, he and I had a conversation about it. <laughs> right. Never quite was the same after that, unfortunately.
2: And it's, it's interesting though, right? Because you, I mean, I guess with the free love, the open love that wasn't necessarily out of bounds as a, as a move or, or did that cross some type of rule that you were, that was in place? Yeah.
0: Um, that's a good question. I remember, um, I remember when I heard about it, my, wasn't like mad per se, if anything, I felt I, I, I was impressed with him. Like, damn, that takes some gumption. Like, <laughs> cool, man. Like, go, hell, go, go, you. Power to you. But at the same time, like, if it was in a, you know, sort of a open-hearted polyamorous sort of way, like, it would have been all good. But that he was not a, you know, this is this a lesson I learned early on was the perils of your partner dating someone who's monogamous, especially if you're close friends with that person. Um, and cause inevitably, inevitably they will end up wanting a monogamous relationship. Your partner says, no, I'm already dating your, your best friend. And an in, in alienation ensues that, that, yeah, yeah. that happened twice in a very short succession with me. Oh boy. And, um, and both of those relations, both of those friendships never quite um, were the same after that.
2: Wow. It's, it's thank you for sharing. I mean, that that's obviously tough, right? You're, you guys are sort of primary partners or your long, di- long-term partners. And then somebody proposes, I could see that would be, <laughs> that would catch you off guard and regardless of your ability to love freely, that would be a tough one to swallow. I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause essentially what he's asking her is to uh, leave and become monogamous, which, you know, it's still, you know, that's still something that she can choose. And if she chose that, I would, I would have been sad, but said, you know, power to y'all. But she, um, she didn't take that p- path. Um, she stayed with me. And then, and yeah. And if, he and I could have talked about it and stayed friends. I w- it would have, it would have been all, all okay. But, um, expecting that kind of level of emotional intelligence for people in their early twenties, new to all this world is, is a lot. I definitely didn't possess it.
2: Um, right. Oh yeah. 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 For sure. Well, so you, so you're off in Europe, you're still poly- you're polyamorous. You're exploring this. You're meeting
1: people on. Okay. Keep it.
2: You're, you're, <laughs> You're okay, Cupid, surfing your way across Europe and sounds like having a great time. I guess, where does the story kind of go from there? How, how do things evolve?
0: Yeah, so so back to that first guy who I introduced her to. Um, the very first time she has a sexual encounter with him, I was present for it. It was a foursome. The other woman involved with that would go on to become... <laughs> My a, a partner, someone I dated, um, a partner of mine. In fact, you was know, someone who's still very close in my life. Um, and yes, and so that I feel like the developing of that relationship kind of was the catalyst for to end end my previous first my first, you know, polyamorous relationship. I think there was too much jealousy. There was too you know, me, me falling in love with someone else was not something that she was okay with her. Mm-hmm. I remember um, her saying, like, right around the time we break up, that was one of her rules that I wasn't allowed to fall in love with other people. Um, and I remember going, that was never once discussed. I never, I never knew that was a rule. I would have never agreed to that. And um, there was, yeah, there, was, there it was. It's a very dramatic story, and I was uh, the, probably great for for radio. But I feel like that was <laughs> no,
2: no, no, it's <laughs> for for their privacy, and that's that's totally fine. I think mm-hmm. it's. I was curious. You did say that she she took the "You'll never be able to make me jealous" as a challenge.
1: And then there was a lot of jealousy. Did
2: she? Did she
0: succeed? Oh yeah, yeah. She she um she uh, made me jealous. She also made me angry, which I had never felt anger in a relationship before. So that was that was kind of fun for me. Um, like, oh, what a <laughs> new emotion. I feel so so much energy. It's I feel powerful, but also it's scary because I don't. I'll, I might say something hurtful. Um, I channeled it well. When I was really angry, I would like channel that energy into like. Going and doing something nice for her, and like, I'm gonna go to the store and buy her some some chocolate, just because I need to do something
2: with this energy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a really interesting and amazing way to handle anger. Like,
2: yeah, don't get any idea. I
1: know. I'm like, <laughs> when you get really angry, like go and do something nice for the person that you're angry at. That's incredible, and takes a lot of personal reflection and personal. Uh, push maybe like to, to work past that, um, the negative, if there's or negative feelings of whatever that made you angry to, to turn it into a positive thing.
0: Yeah. I was reading way of the peaceful warrior at that time. And, um, in that, in it, like his like sense when the main character is really, that's angry. And the sensei tells him like, if you feel this energy, this is power, do something good with it. And so that's, That's, that that was kind of my, my approach to anger.
2: That's That's amazing. Yeah. It's good advice. I mean, I can't, I can't argue with that (laughs) for sure. Um, so, so back to Europe, you're traveling Europe. You sounds like ended the relationship with the first. Yeah. So, so it is a little more
0: complicated. Um, Europe, I ended up getting into all sorts of trouble after, uh, running the bulls goes bad. Um, that's a, that's, um, and end up spending a couple of days in in solitary confinement, uh, c- accused of murder. Um, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a dramatic story that maybe tail time for another, another podcast, but, um, but, um, it, <laughs> if we have time was, at
1: the end, we'll circle back or another yeah, time.
0: <laughs> it's it kind of Amanda Knox light. Um, and, but that goes back. I end up going back to, to Yale to finish my final semester because it had been so disrupted. Um, I still had one, one more semester left to do that. Um, yeah. And my, m- during that time was, v- got very involved with the second with the second partner, my second polyamorous partner, the first partner that actually made it polyamorous. I am in love with two people at once. While, while my, while my first partner is studying abroad in Europe um, or doing a master's degree in Europe. And so I think the the combination of all, all the wild factors involved in the distance and the, um, and the me loving other people and her being in a place that's cold and, and, and depressing, it's just kind of, it, it, it bubbled over and it ended.
1: So now you move forward with the second relationship and yeah. that's like your second official, if there's such a thing, a polyamorous relationship.
0: Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. So it, the story, the story continues. So um, I ended up, what ended up breaking up the uh, first relationship was the, the straw that broke the final rack was me violating the um, fluid monogamy with her. Um, that it was a boundary that we we put up at the be- very beginning but we hadn't talked about in a year and it was sort of an out of sight out of mind sort of very I feel boundary for me um, obviously in retrospect it, it's very clear cut I mean this is an issue with polyamory very often but in, in my crazy college kid head um, it, it just sort of never really entered it and so I think in this sort of like Oh, by the way, um, I, you're probably not cool with it, but I want to tell you this: all this has happened. That was the straw that broke the front camel's back. Uh, we broke up. I was in Cambodia at the time, uh, and but I, I, I flew across the world to do this grand romantic gesture to get back with her, and and and, and do. And it, it was amazing. I, I created this. Um, <laughs> Um, scavenger hunt and it was it was this very And beautiful. this
1: was this was for the first woman, right? This is
0: for the first woman. Yeah. And and we had this most magical day um and she was like in like head over heels said it was the best day of her life. Um but also this other woman is a deal breaker for me. Um and so I had to. And so she said, if you want to do this, you have to not only cut this woman out of your life, tell her all the ways she harmed me, and, um, and 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 yeah, and, and actually be safe and say these things that I will tell you to say that were pretty mean. Um, and I did it. And I, something I still regret. This is, I think this is um, what sort of was a turning point for me on the idea of hierarchical polyamory and relationship anarchy, um, ha- having one person say you because to, for me for our relationship to work, you have to treat someone poorly. You have to um, end your relationship with this other person. Just sort of went against every everything I valued. Um, without without prior to having language for it, now I am full of you know. Polly jargon and theory as to why, you know, as to why, but at that time it's just all in very intuitive. Um, yeah. So and, you ended
1: up breaking it off with the second woman yeah, that had become very close to her, you,
0: hurt her very badly.
1: Right. Um, yeah. And you went back with the first woman,
0: not particularly. It, <laughs> it <wasn't
1: laughs> so, the, so, then, so then you weren't with either of them.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Then, then I wasn't with either of them. I just sort of like, well, I gave it my all <laughs> time to, Time to walk away, and that's when I moved to Paris, <laughs> and, okay. and started and got involved in the, the Parisian polypod, um, that actually turned out to be a cult. That was wild.
1: Um, Whoa. Okay, we'll have to circle back to that maybe. Well, but
2: just right now. what So hold on. What happened with the? What's
1: the Parisian polycrop pod and or polypod? You said.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: so poly- um, cult. yeah. Um, it was. I, I I met a woman on OK Cupid. Ninety nine percent match. Um, and she's like, telling me all about her various partners and the things that go and inv- invited me over for apéro, which is sort of the French happy hour. They, they they're very into the social apéros um, at someone's house. It's kind of a potluck happy hour. And so yeah, and and I I met all all the all these French polyamorous people uh, while I was, and then what um and then they're having Game of Thrones night. They invited me to, and uh and then they're saying yeah we have these. Horizontal parties as well, uh, which are which is their code word for play parties, uh, but they don't want to, or their code word for sex parties, but they don't want feel people to feel pressure to have sex, so they call them horizontal parties. And I was like, what if I want to be <laughs> That's vertical?
1: creative.
2: Come on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all my sex is vertical these days. So. <laughs> yeah so yeah so uh, so i i I, it, I got
0: very much involved with them watched game watched the entire season of Game of Thrones with them uh went to those horiz- they even threw me a horizontal going away party um yeah and it, it was great uh, but I at that point i my French was really poor um and they all spoke they were all fluent in English so we so I would kind of like drink wine and eat cheese while they all talked. And occasionally somebody would come over and like, Oh yeah, this is what we're talking about. Like, okay, cool. Um, and so that was, that was the dynamic. It was years later. I, I reconnected with someone, I, someone I like had a a, a, a whirlwind fling with right before I left Paris. Um, I reconnected with her years later and she said, Oh yeah, right after you left, like some of the the organizing guys, um, got accused of, of rape and, um, and, the police got involved and then they realized it was a much bigger uh, problem. And then the anti-cult task force got involved and they, really, you know, and they, they were going, they were, they were, yeah. And they, and they treated it as a cult and, and in retrospect, it's like, wait, they were buying all that land and setting up all these sort of like farming operations where they are all going to go live on it. Oh my God, it was a cult. <laughs> I had no idea. My fr- I was in a polyamorous. in Paris without realizing it because my French was
2: so bad I wasn't picking up on all the weird dynamics that were going on and wow I was just curious throughout that time like through these parties did you did you ever pick up on like consent issues or safety issues or did everything seem like again, knowing that you're Spanish or your Spanish, your French was limited. Did, or did, did things seem to be going okay?
0: Yeah. From my perspective, they seem really, I mean, like part of, part of their, their shtick was that they were, you know, f- very gung ho about the ethics and the, you know, the, the philosophy. I feel, um, what I discovered while living there is, um, despite, you know, the, the, you know outdated historical reputation that French are actually very societal this French society is very conservative um uh, socially um and so to be polyamorous is 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 a big deal and i guess to a degree it is depending on your community in the US it's it's the case here but um even in Paris it was it was a big deal um and so they to like re- you know, to defend themselves from all the naysayers, they got deep into theory. And so most of what being polyamorous in Paris meant was, you know, debating polyamorous theory and polycafes. And so, yeah, anyways, they were, that's, they were very gung ho on the ethics and the consent and stuff like that, as far as what was visible to me. Uh, Right. Right. You know, all the, all the, all the pernicious stuff was under the surface.
1: Well, and like you said, maybe you would have picked up on it more if your French was better
0: yeah absolutely um, yes and and you know what everyone was everyone seemed weird there to me because it was a completely different culture that I was like is it, you know you know is this weird or is it just French? I just assumed everything oh, I guess just whatever It's a French thing
2: right yeah. right yeah so so really quick, just to maybe recap a, a very brief synopsis because there's a lot of going overseas that I think Yeah, you've traveled a lot <laughs> so so it was. It was, you went to Yale, partway through Yale, you left and you were in Germany and Europe doing some couch, doing some traveling around, exploring on OkCupid. The, the woman brought you pizza and then went back to the U.S. Somewhere along that way, you broke one of the main rules, fell in love with somebody else and broke, broke a rule. Somewhere in there, you wound up in Spain in a prison. Then you wound up in Cambodia. Then you went back to the U S to try and win over the first woman wound up breaking up with both women. Then you went to Paris to live wound up in a cult. And and then, and then as you left the cult, they threw you one last going away party and you went back to finish your last semester of Yale. Did I, did I do it? Um,
0: it it was, it was a, tough challenge you didn't quite get the timeline but you got all, of, you got all the key features
1: <laughs> okay all the key features maybe a little bit different order <laughs> yeah.
0: all right was, um dropped out of college did the middle east and europe trip had the had the whirlwind romance with the woman who introduced me to polyamory went back to college to start my senior year um started the first po- my first polyamorous relationship
2: yeah yeah when okay did- i remember now damn it okay keep yeah. going i'm sorry went
0: to Europe for the summer where I was got in all the trouble with, with the Spanish law, but, and had pizza delivered to me. And what it was a great summer. Um, then went back to finish my last semester. That's when I was in the relationship with the second person fell in love with her, um, broke, broke rules. Then at the end of that year, I went to to Asia with the f- first partner to her cousin's wedding, um, And where we, um, yeah, we, we traveled around, you know, went to Thailand together. She went back to finish her master's of program. I called her while we had the conversation while I was in Cambodia doing the, the, the Asia backpacking thing. And, um, yeah. And then I, then I flew back to see her to do the
2: grand romantic gesture. And then to Paris. And no, no, then... before
1: that, before that, he had to. He ended up breaking up right, with right, both right. women, no, and then that. went to Paris. And then yeah. to
2: Paris. Okay, I forgot the first. I forgot the Middle East trip, and that's my bad. So thank you for <laughs> thank you for putting all the pieces, Humpty Dumpty's pieces back together. So really how
1: about it. after Paris? Can you walk us through like up Paris till now? Where Where are you now?
2: Oh, I've been in New Orleans.
1: So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, while in Paris, I just one thing that kept happening was all these Parisian, this is 2016 would come up to me it's like so explain this Trump guy to me I'm like oh don't worry about it he's not gonna be president and then as the year went on it's like they're like I've if the one thing the French know it's never to is always count on America to make the worst decision And they're like I don't know but well, we, we think he's gonna be elected we think he's gonna be the next president I'm like he's not gonna be president <laughs> and eventually I um was like, screw it. I'm going back. And I joined Hillary Clinton's campaign. um, And I campaigned with her until the, until the election. And after that, I, what do you do when you're feeling bad and have nothing to do? You go to New Orleans. So (laughs) I went, uh, I went to visit my New my sister while she was living there at the time. Um, She's this, yes, badass civil rights attorney doing awesome work and yeah. And then I've, I've been living there ever since.
2: Awesome. Well, yeah. so one thing that we did glaze over was, did you, you finished your degree at Yale mm-hmm. and somewhere in there you, you founded either an orgy team or an orgy club. Yeah. We're circling or,
1: back to this. Oh, yeah. So we
2: want to, we want to get the scoop on the orgy oh, yeah. organization. And, organization yeah. The
0: orginization. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I love that it was introduced as the Yale you know, orgy tea, like it like, which implies like competitive intercollegiate orgies, which is, oh, which is such a great thought. I love that. <laughs> um, so no, it was, it was, um, an extracurricular club. I guess depending on what you're studying, uh, it might be curricular. <laughs>
1: but,
0: so I remember my junior year of college just realizing I wanted, Everyone at Yale was just hyper ambitious, hyper focused on these these achieving society's definition of success, which we felt so arbitrarily given to us based on um, you know whatever factors. And I really just had this sense that I just wanted to shake shake the dust a little bit, like sort of like open people's mind out to like, to being like just open people's hearts, open people's minds to just sort of not to look at their life as much bigger than that rat race. Um, I, I remember I not, and not even having an articulation for, for it at the time, but just, it was a very powerful desire I had. Um, and one thing that is all of long-standing proud tradition of Yale is, they're naked parties. (laughs) They throw naked parties wherever. And I I remember midway through my junior year, I finally got up the courage to go to a naked party. I finally said, I'm ready. I am going to do a naked party. And I went to my good friend who is an organizer, who I knew was an organizer of these naked parties. I said, I finally have the courage to go to a naked party. When's the next one happening? He's like, well, we don't have any naked parties scheduled soon, but... Me and a few friends are having an orgy tonight, and we're hoping to have a straight guy there. Want to join us? <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I just, I just asked, finally worked up the courage to go to a naked party. And you're asking me to go to an orgy.
2: Um, <laughs> it happens well, to everybody.
0: I was already drunk at the time, and so like, sure. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I ended up having just. A, I, I remember just sort of. walking into this dorm room that I was like, am I in the right space? And then it walk, I was like, well, I don't want to go in yet. I'm, I'm too nervous. I'm just going to go to the bathroom. Um, and in the bathroom there was three naked people there. And, um, and and I was like, Oh, this is, this is, this is surprising. They're like, Oh, we're about to take a shower. Want to join us? Like, yes, I would love to. And they invited me into the shower. We all played with each other in the shower. And then they're like, come on into the main room. And there, there was 12 people in the room, all having a great time doing sexy things with one another. And yeah. And it was just such a mind blowingly magical experience. And, um, uh, there was like in some insecurity of, am I like the 13th wheel? I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then the next day the person who invited me said, everyone loved having you there. Um, it, it was great. We can't wait to have you join us for another next time. And it was just like, wow, I just, it felt such a like such a mind changing, life changing magical experience for me. And apparently it was a group of that, a group of queer um, students that like from their freshman year, just all liked having parties together And, um, and, and, you know, and having sex with one another, that was, that was their thing. And then their senior year, they decided like, maybe we will, let's try and have some like new faces. And so I was like the first new face they invited. And and then, so the next time they had it, like I helped recruit new people to come and join. And then the next one, I like helped them organize. And then the last one, they were, they had just, they were a, graduating the next day and i was like let me throw you a going away party um going away horizontal party uh and yeah and that was the first one i ever hosted and um once he graduated he says that you know this this has been a magical part of my college experience i hope it can be the magical part of a lot of people's experience but it could only happen if you host them because we're leaving so that's the creation of yale's orgy club
2: (laughs) so was it is it a i have so many questions but so was this a a university sanctioned like an actual official club
0: at that time no and at this time um at this point it's university funded um they have you know pre-corona of course yeah they had events with a hundred some people um i mean they they my my successors have created the organization organization that I fantasized about having when I was a student. Um, and yeah, and it's a beautiful experience. What, what, what is
1: holy crap? That's
2: (laughs) No, no, no. So, so many, hold on so many questions. So back up, this was held in the first, these, these parties were held in, in a dorm. Yeah
0: so the first one the first ones i mean they're small, so you could have them in a, like a common room of a dorm so that could that could accommodate like you know twenty people very closely packed I just yeah.
2: don't even
1: i don't so, so I, I think about, I'm just like
2: thinking back to my university and how this would never ever happen, but the <laughs> like did you like wall off so nobody like wandered into the orgy mistakenly or like the logistics of this are puzzling to me. No, people wandered in and be like, Oh, sorry. I would leave. (laughs) Um. (laughs) That's amazing. Or like the
0: roommates would like be like coming home from studying and be like, ah, these idiots again. All right. I'm just going to my room. (laughs) Um. So
1: after, after everyone left and like you had to take the baton, so you started hosting these events and then Mm -hmm. that's how it kind of started growing into what it is now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I took it, I, I sort of like refined the process and like the, you know, a repeatable process, industrialized it, if you want, I don't know, made it, codified the, the processes um, and um, yeah, and I, I, I started hosting them off campus because, the, you know, the dorms would not cut it for the kind the size crowds that were invite. I was inviting. Um, so like find, find people, like students who live in off-campus housing that would, about how to big enough space and wouldn't mind me taking over their house for a party. And yeah. And I, I had people, I mostly did it. It was, yeah. I, in retrospect, I wish I, I brought more help on board because I was do, doing it so much of it by myself was a very stressful experience and, and sharing the hosting responsibilities was, was something I should have done more on, but I did, definitely had some, some people help me out. Um, and yeah. And my, my, the um the woman who I said my second polyamorous partner um after I graduated, she was the one who took up the torch and hosted it in, in my absence and and it has carried on. Now it's a full committee of people, um yeah,
2: doing really good doing really good work. Wow. Okay. So
1: You still have so many questions.
2: I know we could do an entire episode about this, but um I guess maybe my main one is how it's maybe a two-parter, how do you keep yourself safe? So the safety piece of it. So keeping yourself sexually uh, healthy and physically healthy, but, and then how did that play into keeping everybody who's going to these parties? Was, was there a big educational component to -hmm. these events? Like, here's how you can, you know, approach consent. Here's how you approach safety. Here's how to do all of these things. Or is it just like, Here's a flyer come to our orgy tonight and we'll see you at 7:30.
1: Well, especially in a college environment, there's right. a, the consent it, like is just there's a lot of room for potential uh violations there.
0: Yeah. Um so yes, I am glad you brought that up. There, I have a, um that this was something we thought of often. Um so why did we why did we do something like in why do we sac- like risk our reputation on campus to like to among highly ambitious people that, you know, might be our Senator one day, I don't know um, to do this. It was um, I mean, was it just because we were horny college kids, you know, that was a big part of it. But um, I, but really it was, there was a political mission. There was, this drive to, you know, when I, one of my first experiences, it was a people, a group of people that came together in the most loving, accepting and communicative and respectful way to just make each other feel good. And like, that was a sort of like joie de vivre, like benevolence that I had never experienced before. And I wanted to, I wanted to bring that sort of way of thinking to campus. Um, I honestly felt like orgies made me a better person and learning to communicate in the way required for it was like in in an environment where people only learned so many people only learned about the concepts of consent their freshman year. Like how do we radicalize consent to the, you know, to, to, and like really teach it in a hands on way. Um, and so, yes. So everyone who came, I gave them my individual spiel. I, I, I like demonstrated like, this is like a good respectful way of consent. I, um, um, sort of like using, use, um, the use of barriers were always like sort of, was expected if not, yeah, was, was expected that we had lots. I remember I went to the, um, we had like a student health office and I, um, that, that they're in, um, in charge of giving away the condoms. And so I remember walking in one day and going, um, so tonight I'm hosting an orgy. And they got so excited. They're like, oh, great. Say no more. And they ran back and they got a bag and like a big old bag full of condoms and lube, and dental dams. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like, all right, be safe, have fun. <laughs> um, yeah. And so like we, so educate, I mean, it was super re, it was relatively unorganized and chaotic. And if you saw this as an adult going to play parties, you'd be like, this is not Oh, this is too much chaos, but for, you know, college kids, this was, this was our like organization. We had like, it was, it had protocols, it had safety protocols. We, I was, I was, you know, so had somebody always in a, in like a fuzzy robe, like monitoring, making sure people were all right. And we had plenty of protection distributed and yeah. And we, and, you know, I was like, okay, we're, you know, and, and I, you know, and demonstrating, creating examples of good consent and radical communication practices that most, most students never have exposure to.
2: Yeah. That's, I mean, it's again, I could, we could talk about this for days, uh, but we, we won't, we won't do that.
1: Uh, For the sake of time.
2: But it sounds like, again, you know, largely the, obviously it created a safe enough environment that the school was willing to sanction it as an actual organization that, and it has sustained, you know, years later after leaving. So, I mean, I guess that's a testament to how you were able to organize and impact people.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, it, there wasn't, it wasn't without entirely without incident. Unsurprisingly, I, mean, there were times where I had to ask people that were too drunk or too aggressive to leave, but in retrospect, I'm surprised there wasn't more.
2: <laughs> right. Considering <laughs> how yeah,
0: chaotic. Um, yeah. And it, I think it was sort of um, with, I, I I kind of stumbled on, into it on accident, but it was, you know, a radical experience for that, for that kind of community, that kind of setting, that kind of university culture. Um, I remember my friend whom who she never ended up coming, but, um, she, I invited her often. It was, a, it was a subject she was very interested in academically. And she wrote about, um, receiving an invite on a personal essay that she, um, when she was taking a class taught by Howard Dean, <laughs> former former TNC chair and presidential candidate so she was in a seminar and wrote about the first essay wrote about being invited to it and in the um in his feedback to her he said oh yeah i was i i love the part about the orgy invitation i mean i'm assuming that's fictional because you know, I went to Yale in the 70s and those weren't even happening then. So there's no way those things are happening now. And so I was like, wow, <laughs> our Dean like indirectly like lauded my wildness. Wow.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: Yeah. No, it's amazing.
2: All yeah, right.
1: Well, we could talk like Finn yeah, said, we could talk I, about this for hours, but for the sake of time. Um,
2: I was just going to say that going to a school that was 70 plus percent men. Uh, I don't think the orgy club would have worked out so well.
1: It would have looked different.
2: <laughs> it would have been a lot of guys standing around going, yep. <laughs> we,
1: sometimes we had
0: that, you know, every, every night was different, <laughs> but, it, but what I found what I found um, um, was amazing in that environment is when, when the one, t- the one event I actually had where it was mostly guys, all, all the, all these guys that are otherwise entirely straight were like, well, we're here, let's do it, and started hooking up with one another. <laughs> and I was like, Wow, this is so cool.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. That's what I was gonna say. It's like you don't know until like you're in that sex positive environment who may be kind of curious mm-hmm. underneath that veil of like I must be straight type thing, right? So yeah. like if they're put in that environment with a bunch of other same-sex people and you're horny and excited like and curious well other things can happen and so that's uh, that's cool that they felt safe enough that okay well let's try this just because i do it once doesn't mean i have to do it again or maybe this is maybe i am actually bi or gay
0: yeah no i I love that about it because it being that everything was so it was a whole new context so all your other all everything else like doesn't apply anymore all your previously sexual identity all all the other things all the other holds no longer apply so in this new setting that's where everything is so accepting and okay like and you know everything everybody everything is so sexually charged like yeah people so many people um really got to experiment a whole lot i remember um seeing a guy uh, talking to a friend of mine and he's like yeah on the kinsey scale i'm like a negative one um And half hour later, I saw him going down on a woman. I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: Flip the switch. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, I think a lot of people realize they were a lot more bi than they previously thought they were in those environments. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that's amazing. So we'll get off the Yale Orgy Club a little bit. I was curious if you could talk about what your relationship structure, if you're okay, like looks like right now.
0: Yeah. Um, thanks for asking. Um, yeah, so I, um, I've always sort of, since, you know, it's something I alluded to at the beginning had this idea of like rethinking everything I do and in relationships that has proven such a valuable thing over and over again to break down the social script to read the, think about everything that's been engendered and, um, internalized having grown up in, you know, a patriarchal society, like, um, and so I, so my relationships, you know, both there's, you know, the, the universal, you know, manifestation of my, you know, my number one mission is bringing love into the world, you know, the, the sort of the, the hippie deity that I grew up with, you know, what is life but to bring love into the world. And so, so you know, polyamory on, on one hand is that, but also to really sort of, it's such a great vessel for br- really uh, breaking down and granulating what is it we've been programmed to think and feel and how can we deconstruct it and think and feel in ways that are and live in a way that best serves us. So decolonializing relationships, and, you know, and, um, and it's been a constant practice of that. And so for me, that's what, that's why I, I use the term relationship anarchy because I mean, that's what it to me, that's my relationship with the word that that's what it is. It's breaking down everything we've been taught and really sort of like from that foundation, creating really like unconditionally loving relationships that work for everyone involved. Um, that, that's a v- very floral way to not answer your question.
1: Uh. <laughs> no, you, you answer, I mean, you partially answered it. Um, so do you, I guess in practice, do you have multiple partners at, the, at this moment?
0: Yeah. So, um, um, so most of my time in New Orleans, I've, I've been with, um, I've sort of fall i um had one a main primary partner um and from 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 the hierarchical days to nowadays the the terms primary and higher uh, secondary no longer are like prescriptive and now like descriptive like i'm you know you're my primary therefore you have these privileges no it's like i call you my primary because we spend all our time together and Mm -hmm. um and if i I was moving cross-country you'd contemplate moving with me sort of that kind of relationship. Um, so yeah. And, um, it was difficult in that we had sort of different ideas of what partnership looked like just sort of on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, so, but, and so we, we took some space and have now sort of recreated a, a relationship that really works for us. Um, so um, you would, you know, it, in a descriptive term, it would probably be more of a secondary relationship, but it's still very loving. We still spend a lot of time together. each other where chemistry is amazing. Um, this past Mardi Gras uh, had a, you know, a class Mardi Gras fling that turned into a, real life fling that turned into a COVID quarantine fling. And then, and now, and we are still together, we are road tripping across the country together. Uh, and it's just, and probably, it's just a really absolutely amazing relationship that I, I, I get to experience right now. And, um, and the, the woman I mentioned previously, the, the, who took on the torch of, of, of the organization, um, we're still very much in each other's lives. Um, our, our relationship path has taken every turn imaginable and it's been so many different things. But one thing it's always been is just loving. And, um, and it, with the exception of, you know, the, the hurtful things I was manipulated to say to her, it's always been kind. Um, and we've always been there for each other. And so we've, you know, she's still someone I would consider a partner, um, someone I'm still madly in love with. Um, and, um yeah and this last actually couple of weeks we've had this sort of beautiful flowering in that we've all kind of converged all, all four of us kind of converged um in one location um being that every everyone has free time on their hands because no one has a job anymore so we all we all been, we spent the last month in, in the in the same city together just you know, living out all our polyamorous fantasies and it's been, been an absolute magical experience.
2: I mean, we could Um, keep talking for hours, but we want to be respectful of your time. And I mean, maybe are there anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't really covered? Um, Is there anything major that we're missing that,
0: I feel I feel like we've touched, you know, of, of, of the stuff that I was coming into this evening thinking I would talk about. Um, yeah. I think we, we, we've touched the main. Um, oh, yeah. Now that now that I live in New Orleans. I, oh, yeah. Actually, my New Orleans polyamorous life. Um, so I feel like, yeah, the, the sex parties and polyamory, they've both developed totally independently one another it's it feels ironic because they're so nowadays they feel so intertwined in my life but they came from completely different you know circumstances and probably both and both would have happened without the other but um yeah and so my 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 partner that i've been with in new orleans um she Um, as as I was living there and sort of like developing this community and finding all the weirdos and the sex positive people and the fun poly people um, and building that network. um, She, um, she said, it was always her fantasy to be in an orgy. So I was like, well, I used to throw these things back in my college days. Let me throw you one for your birthday. (laughs) And so for her birthday, we had a sex party full of, Full of all like all, all our mutual friends that mm, the vast majority of whom had never done a play party before. And it was just such a, uh, it was kind of, yeah, they were friends from all sort of walks of life that all just had such a phenomenal, magical time. It was definitely a night to remember. Absolutely. And, now all now that entire group of friends are now our sex party friends and so those, we've all had such a good time like this is the sex party community of New Orleans that I hang out with and and, and so I've continued hosting events throughout this time and others have been hosting events and um, and it's um, like most communities in New Orleans it's relatively small but like out, very outsizedly active, disproportionately yeah. active. For um, and
1: you're talking about like the last few years that you've lived there, correct?
0: Yeah. So yeah. that that would be yes, since the end of 2016.
1: Yeah. 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 Cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if if, if, we're, if if we're talking New or- my time in New Orleans, it's been many things, wonderful, brought uh-huh. into my
1: life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: like yeah. Owner of two pugs
2: that I. <laughs> um, <laughs> Awesome. That are
1: probably super cute. I'm sure.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, again, we could we could talk for hours. You have a vast array of experiences that have been fascinating to listen to and hear and learn about. So, thank you for sharing all of them. Uh, is there any final thing that you know you wanted to throw out there for the listeners or share with people uh, as we let you get on with your evening?
0: Yeah. Um, I guess it just the, the wrap up with gratitude. I have a lot of gratitude for not just the polyamorous experiences of my life, but also the, the polyamorous community that, has uh, that I've suddenly become very aware of over the last few years. That and the two of you are doing an amazing job adding, being a part of, it and adding to that community. And it's all—it's an awakening of people all over the world, sort of rethinking relationships and how we could love more unconditionally and fully, and um, and break down all the negative things that we've been taught, and and, and create beauty and love into the world. And thank you for. Thank you for bringing love into the world and thank you for helping others do the same.
2: I don't know. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you for the kind words.
1: Yes, thank you so much. And thank you for doing the work you do too because yeah, it, it takes all of us to do our part.
2: Yeah, and if there's any Yale Orgy alum out there that, <laughs> that want to share their experiences. <laughs> or or other friends of yours. yeah, don't have to yeah, be.
0: Um, who knows? They might, they might be all mad at me for narking out their organization. I hope not. <laughs>
2: Well, if if, if uh, enrollment explodes at Yale this year, we'll know we'll know why.
0: Oh, the admissions department should get yellow get yellow cut.
2: Yeah, we should. Yeah. I was going to say we should get an affiliate with Yale. One <laughs> percent ought to be enough. We should uh, be yeah, all right. that good. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you again, Zach, for everything. It was fantastic. And if you're listening, thank you, Cat, for hooking us up with Zach. We appreciate. Mm-hmm it and have a wonderful wonderful evening
1: yeah thank you so
2: much
0: yeah it's been a joy talking to you and thank you cat cat is a wonderful human being i'm glad that y'all got to talk to her as well
2: (laughs) yeah that was it was awesome so thank you again and enjoy your night all right you too good night
1: and we're back just me this time
2: yeah because you hurt my feelings
1: oh jeez no while
2: we were gone I was scolded for just being myself. <laughs>
1: no, that is so not true. You're lying.
2: Yeah. So, what you didn't hear were things that I had to cut out of the intro. Oh, my gosh. Because they were not acceptable.
1: All I said was no, that, no, that you no, 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 use no. one phrase multiple times in a week. And that's. No. Okay.
2: Nope. Okay. No. Nope, we're leaving this in here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we're sorry, <laughs> listeners, that you have to hear that we fight. You can't act like you're innocent. So. So thank you to Zach for coming on the show. For real, thank you for coming on the show, sharing your story. And yeah, we're super excited to get it out there. And
1: Okay thank you enough.
2: Yeah. With that, oh, we do have to thank one other person.
1: Our sponsor. Our
2: sponsor, Alt Playground. Not really a person, an organization. <laughs> so thank you to Alt Playground again for sponsoring this episode. If you're interested in helping them create the world's most diverse and modern online dating site, head over to normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Use the links there or go straight to their website, altplayground.net, and you'll figure it out from there.
1: Yeah, the other quick thing we wanted to just remind you of is that if you are looking to get tested for STDs, you can use the links on our website for sdcheck.com for $10 off your panel. And this is really nice because you can just go and get your blood taken and do your samples. And you don't have to actually explain to the doctor why you're getting tested.
2: Because there's no doctor there. You just go, you meet with the phlebotomist. Right. Which is one of my favorite words.
1: <laughs> you just wanted the choice or the chance to say that.
2: Yeah, well, you. so you go to a national lab like Quest or LabCorp. And you, it takes about five minutes. You're in, you're out. They don't judge you. They don't care what you're there for. They just want to get your blood and your pee and get you the hell out. We love it. We use it. As soon as we start meeting people again, we will be getting our blood and pee taken. (laughs) Jeez. And tested.
1: (laughs) We will. We will.
2: So if you are already there, if you're comfortable to get out in the world, and maybe you're in a part of the country where there's no COVID, go forth. Less COVID. Go forth, get tested and be safe and if you want to help support the show and save ten dollars off of an already fairly cheap service uh, head over to our website again normalizingnonmonogamy.com there are links on the home page there are links on the resources page or there are links in your podcast player below that should take you straight there
1: also, next week we have a double header. A
2: double header. Monday. Monday.
1: Uh, so Monday we have a special episode with Rebecca, and then Wednesday we have a special episode with a polyquad, and Rebecca is part of that polyquad.
2: So not only a polyquad, they've all shacked up together. Yes. And and then they added some others. Yes. And it's just nuts. So it's a wonderful it's conversation. Amazing. Uh, if you happen to still be listening at this moment, go ahead and reach out to us. Click on the contact us tab on our website and send us an email with the subject cupcakes <laughs> to let us know you're one of the few who still listens and maybe we'll solicit you to share your story or We'll send you some swag or something. I don't know.
1: Just to say hi?
2: We'll figure it out. Yeah. But thank you for putting up with us.
1: And if you forgot, website is com. And we'll
2: stop dragging this out. Have a wonderful day.
1: Yeah. You, Maybe you, we'll see
2: you tonight at the meet and greet or at the Q&A.
1: You can't say a specific day because who knows yeah, when Have, have a wonderful
2: blank day. <laughs> and we'll see you tonight at the meet and greet. God damn it. At the (laughs) Q&A.
1: We're falling apart.
2: And we're just going to hit stop.
1: Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening.